Back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the all-new Exxon Broadcast Network and the Talk Star Radio Network. If you'd like to give us a call, toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. Email is xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.xzoneradiotv. My guest this hour is Bruce Gernon, and we're going to be talking about the Bermuda Triangle and the fog. Bruce is the only person in the world to witness what creates the Bermuda Triangle. Others have seen parts of this phenomenon, and some have seen it but vanished. Bruce is the only one to see it from its birth stage through its mature stage and enter the heart of the time storm and escape through a tunnel vortex and experience a time warp of 30 minutes forward in time and 100 miles forward in space. Joining me now is Bruce Gernon. And uh, Bruce, welcome to the X-Zone. Hey, Rob. Thanks. Tell us, Bruce, about the experience you had. And um, what do you? For, let me just ask you this, and then we'll get into the experience when we come back from this commercial break. What do you say to people that you meet who say, ah, the Bermuda Triangle, it's a bunch of bunk, it's a myth. Uh, Yes, I know there's a lot of people out there that uh, think it's a myth. Uh, A great many, probably a majority of the people would probably believe that uh, there's nothing there. Mm -hmm. But I would say to them that the universe is not only stranger than we can imagine, it is stranger than we can imagine. And the only way to discover the limits of the possible is to go beyond them into the impossible. And that's exactly what happened to me. I experienced something considered to be impossible. So I've been researching this for over 40 years now. And uh, I've discovered some of the things that uh, I uh, could never have discovered without having this experience. What is it like to be the only person who has 
seen uh, the the mystery behind the uh, Bermuda Triangle from beginning until end? Well, it's just a matter of faith that I I happen to have that experience. I mean, there's been hundreds of people that have experienced what I call electronic fog. Mm -hmm. That's this powerful fog that is created within this storm. And uh, there's been hundreds of people that have died that have been in the fog also. But this time storm, I call it, that seems to burst from the atmosphere and combines itself with the Earth itself mm-hmm. is something that people have seen parts of. And, and I'm the only one that's uh, seen this from the birth stage and then happened to get caught right in the heart of it and then was fortunate enough to find an exit and make it to the other side and escape the storm. It apparently lasts only about 20 minutes. And it's shaped like a, a ring, a donut shape, usually about 30 or 40 miles uh, in diameter. Would that be like the size of the eye of a hurricane? Well, it's, it's smaller than a hurricane. Yeah, like the eye. Yeah. yeah it would be, uh, yeah, that's, that's a good thought. So. All right, stand by, uh, Bruce. You and I have to take our first commercial break. Bruce Gernon is our special guest. Two websites, ExoNation, www.bermudatrianglefog.com. That's www.bermudatrianglefog.com. And www.perez-wx-research.info. That's www.pares-wx-research.info. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, talking about the Bermuda Triangle and the fog this hour. You were the sunshine, baby, whenever you smiled, but I call stormy today All of a sudden that old rain is falling down And my world is cloudy and gray You've gone away Oh stormy Welcome back everyone, Bruce Gernon is our special guest. His website is www.bermudatrianglefog.com. And uh, also the website for, uh, another website to look for is uh, Professor David Perez's website. It's www.pares-wx-research.info. Uh, all right, so the, the I guess we can, what do we call it? The eye of the vortex, or or the center of this this phenomenon, is is like a donut, or like the eye of a hurricane. And what happens then? 
Well, inside this storm, uh, the air is uh, normal. Uh, mm-hmm. When I had this experience back in 1970, uh, the winds were light and variable, and uh, it was very calm uh, inside this area. But uh, it's it's on the outer edges that what's unusual the way this storm builds up so rapidly it seems to ignite on the surface uh, up to like maybe 300 miles an hour uh, mm-hmm. it seemed to spread out and build up very rapidly it built up to probably 60,000 feet or more in only a matter of uh, 20 15 minutes or wow. so and it also seemed to lay on the surface of the water uh, instead of having a ceiling like a normal cloud. There was mm-hmm. there was no base to the storm, so I, I couldn't fly underneath it, and it was too high to fly over it. And, uh, so I penetrated into it, and uh, at this point, it was full of uh, electricity, uh, like flashes of uh, light were going on and off very rapidly, and it just wasn't raining or anything, but the visibility seemed to be a few miles at least, but uh, it just became so intense that I, I exited out after going in only about a mile in it. And then I got back into the the donut area that's open, mm-hmm. and I, I traveled along the edge of the storm, and then uh, after going about 10 miles or so, I, I started to realize that this edge of the storm just connected back to the storm that I had just come just uh, come out of and that's when I realized that it was uh, like a donut shape and I was uh, trapped in the center of it but then uh, I saw with the two opposite ends of this storm the opposite end of where it had formed were just connecting and they connected on the bottom, and there was like a big U-shaped valley in between the two squalls. But then they formed anvil heads on the upper portion as uh, I was starting to aim for that area, and uh, the two anvil heads connected, and it formed this huge horizontal tunnel that was at least a mile or two in diameter when it first formed and I felt that that was uh, the only way I could uh, escape from this storm because I was uh, in the middle of the ocean in between Bimini and Andros Islands over the Great Bahama Bank and uh, there was no place to land and uh, I figured uh, that was the only way out and my Dad uh, was a co-pilot and also a licensed pilot, and uh, he he agreed with me that uh, that it looked like the only way to get out of this thing. And uh, so uh, we were at 11,500 feet, and and the center appeared to be around 10,000. So we dove down Mm -hmm. toward the center, and we could see that it was rapidly closing. And uh, I find out now I've seen many of these tunnels over the years, but I've never seen one quite this long. We've seen them up to five miles long. This one seemed to be about 10 miles long. And uh, these tunnels usually last about three minutes. And 
I really didn't time it exactly right. Of course, I didn't know it would take the last three minutes, but uh, that's about how long it would take me to fly through that tunnel and going 10 miles. And when I uh, entered the tunnel, the diameter was uh, maybe close to 1,000 feet, and something uh, incredible happened uh, when I penetrated into this tunnel. These, these lines instantly formed, and still haven't figured out why they they formed so uh, magically like well, that. Like what kind they, of they were not there what what kind before. of lines are you talking about here, Bruce? You said the lines formed. Uh, what, what kind of lines? They were uh, they were made up of a series of broken clouds about the size of a, a small bus, mm-hmm. and uh, they were like all in a line with each other. And they would they went from one end of the tunnel all the way to the other end, but they curved, they spiraled. Uh, they were all parallel, but they were spiraling counterclockwise, also moving very slowly, maybe two or three RPMs, mm-hmm. and they were just hovering off the walls of, of the, the tunnel. But it was a very symmetrical looking thing in, in appearance and uh, well today I believe that this has something to do with the formation of this electronic fog the, the lines that I was seeing apparently become a part of this electronic fog when the tunnel collapses now, now no one's ever been in one of these tunnels and survived uh, so I'm the only one that's that's ever done this now, are are, th- are these is this is this natural phenomenon occurring uh, at other places on this on this beautiful planet of ours, or is it indicative to the Bermuda Triangle only? No, it, it can happen uh, all over the world. It's just uh, in certain areas it, it happens a lot more, mm-hmm. uh, especially uh, the area of the Bahamas and uh, around Andros Island largest of the Bahama Islands and, and the, the Great Bahama Bank also is, is one of the largest banks. I think it is the largest bank in, in the Caribbean. So I would call that the, the central area of uh, where this forms. But it can also form uh, right over the Everglades. Uh, I've experienced uh, electronic fog a second time over the Everglades in, in 1996, and, and there's other pilots that have experienced it also uh, right in the same area at, at the southern end of the Everglades. A lot of storms form there. Is is and, this uh, electronic fog... Tunnels. Is the electronic fog responsible for the the um, the glow that has been reported on aircraft that uh, that fly through these anomalies in the Bermuda Triangle, as well as uh, is this electro- electronic fog responsible for the failure of electronic equipment to work? Uh, yes, it, it can affect electronic equipment, it, and it depends on how powerful. It, it appears to have different intensity levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second time I was in it, uh, the instruments were, were working fine, but it, it was only on the bottom. It was only connected to the bottom of the aircraft, and it wasn't completely surrounded in the aircraft like the 
time that I experienced in 1970, it completely surrounded the airplane, and, and it was a lot more intense. So it, it actually made the magnetic compass slowly spin counterclockwise, and, and it made all my electronic navigational instruments malfunction. And that's when I escaped from the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And, and time was being affected when I entered into that tunnel. And it should have taken me at least uh, 20 seconds, or I mean three minutes to get to the other end of the tunnel, but it only took about 20 seconds for me to reach the other end of the tunnel. So that was the first, the beginning of this this boost in space that I experienced as I went through the tunnel. And when I reached the end of it, the, the wingtips scraped the edges of the tunnel, and these contrails formed on the wingtips as I looked back and, and watched the, the tunnel collapse and, and form like a slit in the clouds that kept rotating clockwise now. And I had entered this clear blue, uh, blue sky that was in the direction toward Miami about and about 100 miles away from Miami, or I'd be 90 miles mm-hmm. at the point where I got out of the tunnel. And that blue sky instantly disappeared. And this was the part that took me so long to figure out how it's why that disappeared and how I made it to Miami without ever seeing any islands, the dimity chain of islands I should have passed over there, and uh, without seeing the ocean. So I could never figure out uh, what that was until about 30 years later I finally uh, realized that that this electronic fog had attached itself to the aircraft. There's been dozens and dozens of planes that have been in this with mm-hmm. Many people have even written about it, but um, none of the pilots ever realized that it was attached to them. They always thought they were flying through a fog. And it's similar to like St. Elmo's fire in that it uh, attaches itself to the craft, and then it goes with you, it clings to you. And so this can be very disorienting, and it can actually induce spatial disorientation, which has caused uh, many pilots to enter a graveyard spiral and then a high-speed crash right into the, the ocean. It could happen over the Hi, this is Eric Rawls of Cosmoverse.com, and you're listening to Rob McConnell in the X-Zone. Hi, this is Blade Runner, and you are listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Hi, I'm Laura Sabrin of Cease to Fields Organic Vineyards in Jordan, and you're listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Hi, my name is Lady Ashley, the White Witch of Niagara-on-the-Lake, and you're listening to Canada's number one paranormal talk radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Welcome to The X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell.
Barry Skernon is our special guest, Exonation. He is the author of a fascinating book about his experience in the Bermuda Triangle. It's called The Fog. And uh, Bruce's website is www.bermudatrianglefog.com. That's www.bermudatrianglefog.com. And uh, the website for his partner, Professor David Paris, website is www.paris-wx-research.info. So, so tell us more, and, and how did you finally get out of the this time-space displacement you were in, and what happened next? Well, another incredible thing happened immediately when I reached the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. I had this sensation. We had this feeling of zero gravity that lasted for about 10 seconds. And and I've experienced zero gravity in the airplane many times, just do it for fun sometimes, just form a parabolic curve so you can see what it's like and feel it. But this was different than uh, normal zero gravity. It also felt like I was hydroplaning, like skidding forward Hmm. in in a strange manner. And it lasted about 10 seconds, and I didn't realize the significance of that until just recently. So I'd like to get back to that in a few minutes. Sure. When I started to fly the airplane and, and I could see that the compass is spinning, the navigational equipment is malfunctioning, so I couldn't trust my instruments anymore, so I, I used a, a compass that I had developed in my mind uh, to steer with, uh, similar to a magnetic compass, a wet compass, it, it would uh, float on the top of my head, and, and I, I was able to use that and maintain the heading of uh, 270 degrees, so I didn't make any turns, and, and that's where a lot of pilots that have vanished and, uh, from this problem of electronic fog started making turns, and, and that's what starts the uh, disorientation, so I didn't make any turns the whole time, and when I got out of the tunnel, I was about... 90 miles from Miami. So I wasn't sure of my position anymore because my instruments were malfunctioning. I couldn't use them to give myself a position fix. And uh, I asked my dad, he was the chief navigator to give me one, and uh, he couldn't do it either. And uh, and then I was able to contact Miami Radio, though, on, on the radio, and uh, told him our situation, and uh, he said, well, he'd see if he could help us and uh, he couldn't get them on his radar so he switched them over to the radar center in Miami and we talked to them and then they couldn't find us on radar either <laughs> so they, we weren't anywhere in the area of Miami or the Bahamas and uh, that's because we were in this cocoon of electronic fog and apparently they, they won't show up on radar when that happens and uh, my dad started to panic at this point uh, he was getting really disoriented but I, I told the, ra- the radar controller just to stand by, you know, and we'd uh, just keep flying because everything was fine. The airplane's running smooth. I, I slowed it down to 180 miles an hour, and everything looked strange, though. It was hard to understand. It was like being in the middle of a 
a milk bottle, a famous writer, Martin Caden, once said, because he experienced it once. And uh, unable to contact uh, Shore or, or see anything mm-hmm. that didn't look normal. I, I thought that it might have been the ocean below us, but it, it didn't look like the ocean. It was like weird, and uh, there was no more horizon. And... Uh, so basically, it was like flying. It was flying, and it was like flying in soup. Yeah, but the soup's flying with you, though. Oh my gosh! So that's what nobody can understand. It's connected, and it forms like an illusion. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to figure out what you're seeing here. And so then the the radar controller came back on the radio three minutes later, and he's really excited. He says he's got an airplane directly over Miami Beach. And I look at my watch, and I've only been flying for three minutes, and I said, it should take me about 30 minutes to reach Miami. So I told him, no, I, I'm still probably 85 miles east of Miami. And he says, are you sure? And I said, yes, I'm positive. And then he slips. Another interesting thing happened. The electronic fog dissipated. It was like an electronic dissipation mm-hmm. when I reached the shoreline, and, and these cracks there were like lines at first, and then I could see there were cracks. I could see the blue sky through the cracks formed all around the airplane parallel to the direction of flight. And at the time, I thought these lines or cracks were miles, many miles long, but that was an illusion. Now I realize that um, they were maybe only yards long, maybe only uh, 200 yards long. Uh, and that was the cocoon around the airplane, and then the, the cracks got wider and wider. It took about 10 seconds for them all to disappear, and then there's nothing left but blue sky. And I look behind me thinking to, I'm going to see the cloud bank behind me, and then it's, there's no cloud bank anywhere. I'm in clear blue sky. And I look down below me, and there's Miami Beach directly below me. I knew something uh, unbelievable had happened that I didn't understand, but I, I realized at the time that, I, I would need to always remember what I had just experienced uh, because someday it might be important for like the whole world to know about. And uh, now, what what does Professor Paris say about the situation that you found yourself in, and what are his explanations for what happened? Well, he's uh, been working on my theories for over four years now at the University of Nebraska. And uh, he's a meteorologist, uh, a physicist, and a geologist. And so that combination of knowledge has given him the ability to really understand what I experienced. And more than any other scientist, he's a research scientist. Mm -hmm. And I've worked with many research scientists over the years, and and famous ones, too. And uh, no one has done as much as, as Professor Paris. And, and he's actually come up with a theory of his own that's related to what happened. And it has to do with that zero gravity that I experienced. Uh, I met with him three times. We did uh, three television shows together recently. And uh, as we talked, and he was picking my brain, and, and when I told him how that zero gravity hit us right at that point and everything, it, it, that's when it hit him that uh, something incredible had happened that is even beyond what I had realized. It's, 
that that feeling it's kind of hard for me to explain because I don't really understand it like he does it's something to do with the the gravity and and the traveling it's it's like uh in Star Wars what is that uh boost you get when you uh turn on the the warp drive oh right 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 to where you uh yeah it's similar similar to that it's similar to turning on the warp drive and that's what i was feeling because he said that's the sensation that you would get mm-hmm. when you enter this warp drive uh i don't call he doesn't call it warp drive so but that's uh it's got another name for it some sort of uh, linear displacement through space and uh so this 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 cloud or this storm or this electromagnetic anomaly does it actually affect the time space continuum? Well, it's like yes and no. In in my case, mm-hmm. time I really didn't change. The, 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 our clocks remain the same as the clocks on Earth. So I I really didn't travel through time. But time and space are linked together, so in a way I did, too. But what Professor Ferris, Paris is saying is that when I get that boost, it lasted close to 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. I had traveled that distance of 80 miles. See, I was 90 miles from Miami. And in 10 seconds, he says that I was... 10 miles away from Miami. So I traveled 80 miles in less than 10 seconds. So that would be an incredible speed. And at first when he came up with the theory, I I told him that it was impossible. But I thought about it and thought about it, and I realized that it is possible. That that really could have happened. And he's got this all done mathematically and, and graphically on uh, on his website that he, he just created recently. So uh, if you want to see what it looks like, it's a good website to check out. He's uh, really made a lot of progress in his research on this, and he's actually trying to create this in his laboratory. Uh, and he's coming closer and closer to, to doing it. And he's got his students helping him work on it, and... Uh, Is this the same reason that so many ships disappeared without any notice? Other aircraft have vanished off radar. Is this the answer to the Bermuda Triangle, or is this just part of it? Well, it's it's a a part of it, but it's it's the main answer. It's uh, Professor Paris believes, and so do I, that. uh, if I had entered this tunnel going in the other direction, that uh, would have disintegrated. So he thinks it's possible for a vessel to disintegrate. Tell us about your book, The Fog. Well, I'm not really a writer, but I tried to write this book, uh, and I had this manuscript and uh, I realized it would be hard to publish so I found a, a writer in the city here where I live in Florida, Wellington uh, his name was Rob McGregor a professional writer and, mm-hmm. uh, 
he had he created Indiana Jones and wrote all those novels. So I, I teamed up with him and and got him to uh, rewrite my manuscript. So he's the co-author of the book, and he he made the book uh, much more interesting to read than what my manuscript was like, kind of scientific and, and dull. But, so he took it and, and almost turned it into like a novel. So a lot of people have read it and said they really, really enjoyed it. Some people start reading it and they, uh, they can't put it down, they said, until <laughs> they finish it. <laughs> How does this theory sit with the... Um with the with the government, the air traffic control people, uh, the insurance companies, as well as those who have lost loved ones within the Great Bermuda Triangle. Yes, the the government is not involved yet, but we're we're trying to get them involved. And, and air traffic controllers are starting to become aware of this. I had one mm-hmm. for the first time contact me and. Said he thought there there was an aircraft that may have experienced electronic fog. We we analyzed it for him, Professor Paris and I, and we determined that it, it wasn't uh, the electronic fog. But at least he was thinking about it. And uh, we're trying to get NASA to fly a drone through one of these tunnels. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they could do that, then uh, the instruments should pick up some uh, very unusual readings, and that would be like the first step forward into trying to find out exactly what this really is. Uh, it, in the future, could be a, a way to uh, travel through space, and, and it would solve some of the uh, problems of uh, the great distance that we'd have to travel to get to uh, other planets. All right, stand by, Bruce. You and I have to take our final break. We'll be back after this short break from our fine sponsors. Once again, Bruce Gernon is our special guest, www.bermudatrianglefog.com, and he is the author of The Fog. I'd like to welcome a couple of affiliates. Of course, there is always AM 1600 uh, KOHI in St. Helens, Oregon. CFRA AM 580 in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and one of our new affiliates, WPUL AM 1560 in Daytona Beach, Florida. Welcome to the X-Zone, everyone. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, in the X-Zone. And, of course, on the all-new Exxon Broadcast Network and Talkstar Radio. Don't go away. Thank you. 
Welcome back, everyone. Uh, just a little typo we had here. Uh, the affiliate in Daytona Beach, Florida is WPUL 1590 AM. So to all our good friends, Larry Steele, the staff and listeners of WPUL 1590 AM in Daytona Beach, welcome to the X-Zone. Larry, uh, Bruce Gernon is our special guest, www.bermudatrianglefog.com. He is the author of The Fog. And uh, Bruce, does do these tunnels, these anomalies, show up on weather Doppler radar? No, uh, I don't think they do. I've, I've seen one on uh, airborne radar that's uh, in that aircraft. It was uh, called vertical profile mm-hmm. radar. And, and they captured a, a tunnel that was probably a few miles long that was in uh, in the walls of a thunderstorm. But on uh, regular radar, it, it wouldn't show up because it would need to be a vertical profile to see the radar. But on radar, the, the time storm, not the tunnel, mm-hmm. the vortex tunnel. That that won't show up, but the time storm will show up. I've I've seen it only once on radar and formed in the same place where I'd flown through it, and it lasted probably 20 minutes and it was gone. But there's uh, uh, on my website there's a photo of a radar image that a man from uh, Indiana captured. And uh, he did a lot of research on this because he had an experience with this. And uh, the the radar uh, shows about five of these rings or donut-shaped storms, and they're all about 40 miles in diameter, that all burst out of the Earth at almost the same time, just one right after another, within seconds of each other. One quick question for you, because we're running out of time very, very fast here. Um, so, how do commercial airliners and uh, and and uh, pleasure aircraft avoid these uh, this this anomaly and and avoid from avoid being smacked down into the sea? Well, all pilots know that uh, they shouldn't fly through a horizontal tunnel. Uh, the only reason I did it was because I felt it was the only way I could escape from the inside of this storm. Mm-hmm. But the electronic fog, uh, that appears to be like in the shape of a sphere, and it could be 100 yards in diameter or more, and it, it appears to like drift around. I mean, they're usually f- formed at about the 10,000-foot level inside the tunnel. But then after the tunnel collapses, this spear of fog comes out and it can drift around for many hours. Bruce, we have to say so long for tonight. But uh, listeners, if you have any more questions, if you want to learn more, go to Bruce's website at www.bermudatrianglefog.com. When I come back from the news at the top of the hour at six and a half minutes past, John Michael Greer joins us to talk about UFOs right here in the X-Zone on the X-Zone Broadcast Network and Talk Star Radio. (laughs) 